everybody. I'm Grant. And I'm Eric, and you're listening to the Quacking Ducks podcast, where each week we take turns picking a media that we love to make the other person watch, listen to, read, and then we talk about it on this podcast. Grant, what are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about documentary Tim's Vermeer. me yep uh so this week uh technically a movie but we watched the documentary yes um so this is a documentary that i had seen oh i don't know like five years ago or something uh and i really really enjoy it so i wanted to make eric watch it uh it's called tim's vermeer uh it's a documentary, oddly enough, uh, directed by, uh, uh, directed and written by Penn and Teller, the magician duo, uh, but it's not in any way or shape or form about magic. It's about art and technology and yeah. Um, <clears throat> I guess I would recommend going and just watching it immediately, uh, before we really get into it. It's just a, a good documentary. It's only 80 minutes, so it's like a really quick watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get right into it. Um, but yeah, uh, I said it's a good documentary. Eric, what do you think? Uh, okay, so I'll give a little bit more of a, a summary if you haven't already paused after three seconds and went and got to watch it. So the it's following a, a friend of theirs who is a graphics engineer by trade but has like been financially successful enough to now just do like weird dumb side projects a lot of the time uh and the new weird dumb side project he's doing is trying to prove a theory about what kind of technology Vermeer might have used that allowed him to paint uh, paintings that like really actual ac- accurately capture uh lighting in a scene, um like that's that's the thing that's like the huge kind of innovation in his paintings, um that would be v- extremely difficult to do. <laughs> no, none of the contemporaries of the time were doing anything even comparable, so it's kind of treated as like an art mystery of, like, how did he do this? Like, the easy answer is, like, oh, because he's a fucking genius, and, like, that's why! It's like, okay, but let's be a little bit practical about this. So he has a thesis about uh, a, a piece of technology that he might have been able to use to make that process, like, way more accessible. Uh, so... Penn Teller's friend Tim, the graphics engineer, essentially is trying to quote-unquote prove the thesis by just doing it himself. Uh, so using the the technology that he thinks is like the missing link of, of sorts 
to paint his own painting that is he he's doing a scene that is a recreation of the scene in a Vermeer painting and that he's going to by hand paint the scene but he th- thinks he'll be able to do it so that his painting is like near identical to Vermeer's painting um right. so that's the premise of the documentary uh right. and there's a couple interstitials where like he he has his idea and he's showing it off to like this art historian or this famous artist or this person this person and they're all like oh wow that's crazy cool that's brilliant um so so that that is me giving a summary of what the movie is um uh, that mm. now I will say go watch it cuz it's really cool uh I did really enjoy it first off I thought it was really cool. I'm pretty confident that this is something my dad saw ages ago and was trying to recommend because, like, the premise sounded so familiar. Oh, interesting. Um, it's definitely the kind of thing that he would, like, stumble on and get really into for a few months. Um, mm. So if he hasn't already seen it, I'd definitely go recommend it to him. Um, that being said, like, the there's there's like thematic stuff about now we're gonna go into spoilers so you should go actually watch it and i'm gonna start talking about spoilery stuff and themes and and execution blah 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 uh Mm. okay so full spoilers ahead if that makes sense um the thing i thought was the most interesting was the kind of thematic stuff touching on the arbitrariness of the line between technology and art. And uh-huh. I thought there were like poignant lines where like the historians called out like, yeah, back in that time, that wasn't a distinction at all. And like, it may like, it's a thing that I think we're all semi cognizant of. Like we all know, mm. like Da Vinci did both it, technology and inventorship and art. Like that was just what people did. Um, mm. It is a thing where I kind of would have loved that to be explored more because they, Uh so like they talk a little bit, like there's a lot of people talking about other people having the opinion that like somehow using this kind of technology cheapens the art or makes it like not real art and stuff. And while I totally believe that that is an opinion other people have, I would have liked to have seen that opinion come out of the mouth of someone who believed it and spoke more to that so that it could actually, as a documentary, actually kind of encapsulate that debate more, which I, I like, it's pretty clear that's not what this was really about. It was kind of just following one person's process and if that's not a thing that Tim was conscientious of, I, like then it didn't get covered. Um, right. But it was a thing I was thinking about where, like, this, it's one of those things where it's like, it's good, and I enjoyed everything I saw, but because it's a, a heady intellectual thing, it makes me want to think about things more, and, like, but I also don't want to have to do my own research. I want well, them to I'm just interested. tell me so, like I said, it's about 80 minutes. Would you yeah. say that you could have stood it to be maybe 
maybe a full two hours, like a full oh, yeah. 20 There's minutes or something. There's so much yeah. more things I would yeah. have loved to have seen it, and because, like mm-hmm. you said, it's so tiny, there's the room for it. Like, I yeah. would have loved to see... So there's two big things that I, I kind of wish it covered, or or I could, like, that. so that's one of them, seeing people actually kind, like, who are the people who are going to be pissed off about this thesis? Because they keep saying there's going to be people pissed off, but I want to, like, see them and see if they actually have valid counterpoints or anything. Um, the other thing is, I... And this could almost be entirely its own project, so maybe it doesn't make sense in the context of this documentary. Um, but when they talk about like kind of the the perceived spectrum between technology and art, there's kind of a failure to acknowledge that there are the there are other axes, and a primary mm-hmm. one would be business and commerce, yeah. like. Uh, like, like we mentioned, Tim's able to do this because of his affluence, right? And I, there is nobody at any point talks about like what was the actual financial, uh, status of Vermeer during the time. Like they mentioned that his dad was an art dealer. I think right. at one point that's about yeah. it. So it's like it's very easy to say. Like, oh, maybe he used this, like, this big cut mirror and, like, this room and, like, this and this. It's like, okay, but could the guy afford that? And do, yeah. we, and, and do we not know? Like, even if you, if you say, like, actually, we have no real way of making that, like, discerning that through documentation and stuff. Like, okay, but acknowledging that would have been, a, that was a thing where it was a big question in my head that could have been the thing that disproved this. Yeah, but they just didn't I, talk about it at all. I definitely, I definitely think so. The one thing that I that is similar to that that I, I would have loved to see a little bit more of is they talked very briefly about <clears throat> oh, in the in the you know period that uh, Vermeer was working in you know in the Netherlands in the sixteen hundreds. They were just like, yeah, like lenses and shit was all the rage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, okay, like that sounds vaguely correct if I just rely on vague memories of you know European history and when te- and technological you know inventions and shit. It's like, yeah, sure, they liked. That's probably when like a bunch of telescopes mm-hmm. looked at planets and shit. I guess, but like, it is definitely leaving that out. It's, it's leaving that. I was like. You know, like all the lenses and shit, and yeah. it's like it's like okay, I would have been interesting to see a little bit more on that. They treated like they could. They talked a little bit about how he made his own lens, but they kind of treated it in the same montage as him making his own paint and making mm-hmm. his own like wooden chair and like other shit he didn't really need to yeah. do. Like you know, um, and it was like, well, okay, like. All that stuff is cool, and yes, Tim's kind of like this fanatic for recreation, and it is it is nice, I guess, that he's doing it that legitly. But the lens is way more important than the fucking chair. So, mm-hmm. like, instead of seeing him turn a chair or whatever, as funny as like some bits of that are, like maybe add to that and be like, okay, now let's go a little bit deeper into the type of mirrors and the 
and kind of like the process that was made and here's how we know, you know, like that kind of stuff like you're saying where they were like, oh yeah, it's a given that, you know, that distinction between technology and art, you know, or, or engineering and art wasn't a thing, you know, back then. And it's like, well, that, I believe that's true again because Da Vinci, you know, mm-hmm. was an engineer and stuff. But maybe it would be helpful, even if we don't have specific things on Vermeer, maybe some of his contemporaries you could just show right. like, oh, this guy invented this type of telescope and also painted this dope-ass picture. Yeah, here or, are some know, examples like, to support that claim. You know, so, something like that where just got a little bit more of an understanding of the specific technological level. I don't. Right. I still don't have in my head, I still don't have in my head a, a great image of what Mirror Vermeer was using and how mm-hmm. clear it was and how, you know, like, because, like, you know, Tim uses just a modern mirror. Yeah. You know, for, for his, like, it's just like a rectangular small mirror, and it's like, yeah, that's no problem to get, you know, here, but right, like, I don't know, and, 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 and like, I, I'm, I certainly can, you know, take that leap and understand that it's the same basic principle, but if you're gonna be that intense about him making a fucking chair, like, that he doesn't know how to do woodworking with, like, maybe go a little bit more into detail on the more important aspect of, right. and that, of the lens and the weird. That's where I was kind of going with, like, what was Vermeer's, like, what kind of money did he have to throw around? Right, exactly. Because yeah, if, yeah. if, it's very easy to be like, oh, you know, painters in that time period were crushing these pigments to make the bluest blue, and it's like, cool, but if you then tell me that, like, Vermeer lived in a cave with a bunch of scraps and was right. making Iron Man armor, like, you have to say that part? Like, right. you know. Yeah. Or or not. And, like, it, it, like maybe it seems self-evident because maybe people who know the history better are like, no, his dad was an art dealer, which obviously is, like, that's not a job that, or, that's a job that sounds like it would pay well because right, it takes right. like a level of education and expertise and then like oh the painting that he's trying to re- recreate is one that's later in Vermeer's career so like by that point he's he might be considered like a quote unquote successful artist so he's mm. actually like super rich at that point maybe I don't know but you gotta tell me this stuff right. to make the thesis be believable because if it's like yeah. yes you could totally get this exact mirror in that time period but it costs a billion dollars it's like right okay did Vermeer have a billion dollars for that mirror if the answer right. is no then he did something else so I, I at the end of it I actually I, I do believe that he used some sort of optical tool pretty similar to it and I think that the, the documentary does do a good job of like discovering little things like there's a thing where it's like oh uh, Tim, when he was making a straight line, realized that he was about to make a curve next to that straight line. He couldn't figure it out. And then he realized it was because he was using the optical device. And then mm-hmm. he just happened to go back looking at Vermeer's thing, and there's the curve. And it's like, there's yeah. no reason for that curve to be there unless he used an optical device. You know, so there's a couple different... Well, specifically little... that kind of thing, because the, cur- right. the curve originates from the curvature of the mirror uh, of the mirror which then was allowed right. what allowed them to get that level of detail in the first place because if right, you use exactly. a flat mirror 
it wouldn't be as detailed. Right. Which makes sense, but that then it goes back to my thing of like a curved mirror sounds more expensive. Right, so could right, you right. get a curved mirror at that time? Right. And they don't touch on the mirror part like at all. Right. Yeah. So uh, I, and and that's something I would like to definitely see. But I I I I like this uh this documentary a lot for for all of those little bits of convincing pieces that do make me think that 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 he mm-hmm. did it this way. Um that Vermeer painted with, you know, some sort of optical tool or whatever. But I definitely the stuff that you're talking about with about the themes of it about the connection of of, you know, that kind of engineering side mind and the art side mind, you know, those are the the themes that really make this uh this documentary the, like super interesting to me. Right. Yeah. Um, it resonates cuz it's like oh, what's a modern equivalent of the of art and technology being hand in hand. Right. Right. Well, it, it even makes sense that like Tim is a fucking graphics engineer. <laughs> like mm-hmm. like he you know his company makes uh for mostly film, but it makes, you know, software that's, you know, made for, you know, computer that's, digital rendering. Uh, live broadcast stuff. Um, so, so like, you know, and he also made Lightroom, which is, uh, for, like, it's just, you know, similar to other 3D, uh, modeling situations, but, like, but, yeah, so, I, I, that's the kind of stuff that I definitely, um, got me the most, like, connected to this, you know, uh, and it's funny to see, like, so, uh, I did a little bit of looking at my, myself about, like, art critics and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's this one art art critic uh, from the the Guardian who wrote uh, the technology uh, he uses uh, can replicate replicate art, but it does so so synthetically with no understanding of its art's inner life. It spits out a stillborn simulacrum, uh, and it's like that was <laughs> that's that a was, bunch of fancy words that don't mean anything. <laughs> right, it's a bunch of shit that just basically means. I don't like the look of this one because I know that it was made with right, house, and that it's like, fine because like that's a talent, painter, painterly talent. Yeah, and it's fine because like that was a thing I was thinking about where I remember. I don't know if you had the same curriculum in the course, but when we had like an art appreciation class for our core classes, mm-hmm. I think sophomore year, the only thing I retained from it yeah that's what it's called the only Mm -hmm. thing I retained from that class is the idea of like a formalist appreciation for art which is just appreciating it for the for the sake of the way it was made unless Mm -hmm. it's kind of agnostic to what it actually is Mm -hmm. and then I I was thinking about that with this because like as people who work in technology it's like oh I like Tim's painting is inherently more interesting because of the process that it was that was used to create it. Because uh-huh. like you could have paint like there are professional painters who are able to do recreations right. of famous yeah, paintings, masters and stuff. Yeah, apparently, and we don't talk about that that much because it's inherently less interesting. Right, <laughs> honestly. Uh, but because but because of that, 
process that he was able to kind of use to replicate the painting, it's like it's what makes it interesting. It's what makes it deserving a documentary in the first place. Right. Um, so it is kind of interesting, and that I think that's kind of why I, I was so curious well, about what the naysayer position would be. But also, I was not invested enough to go find it on my own. Could- right. Well, and and one of the things that's interesting, I think, about that commentary is that the person, so the the person who's critiquing it, I think, partly is missing that point of it, where like Tim didn't, he didn't just choose, you know, some like, setting or whatever that was already in San Antonio. Like, mm-hmm. he, you know, he wasn't he wasn't trying to make a cool painting with a cool composition or whatever. Like, he took literally as much of the, of his influence out of it as he could mm-hmm. by choosing the same subject and position and, you know, uh, like, replicating as close as possible Vermeer's work to say, I'm not trying to make you know, a beautiful art piece. I'm trying to focus on that form and have that be the only thing that is, you know, maybe new to other people. You know, I'm trying to, it's like, you know, when someone, you know, uses ASCII art to create a picture of something, it's like, well, it's not like amazing that it's a painting of whatever. It's amazing mm-hmm. that it's a painting made out of a bunch of ASCII art. Like, you know, like that's the cool part about it. So, for him, he was trying to demonstrate this exact same painting can be done with this method. So that's the interesting right. part about and that's it. That's why you know, I think like, that criticism is interesting because it's like if you were ignorant to how it was made, it would right. still just be a recreation. Like I don't right. understand right. what their right thing well, is. And it's like, and and the kind of the point is, is also like you know. I, I would think that probably if you were to put Tim's, you know, picture up in uh, in a museum or whatever next to some other Vermeer, I don't think anybody would know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, most like, people would not. Yeah, like yeah, like like you know, I think yeah, exactly. I think the average person would be like, oh yeah, it's another one, and like you know, that's kind of the point of it is that they it is a replication and it's, you know, doing so to, to try and prove the point about the the method and, and how that method can get that look at that time, mm-hmm. when no other method could, you know, because of the, the, you know, gradient of light on the wall, just, you know, and I guess the, the, the thing that's always so funny is the, the idea of like someone being like, Oh man, like, I think the, the, the thing that they're pointing out is that it makes people react in this way of like, oh, he's not, we all just assumed that he was just a genius that could make mm-hmm. light appear on canvas. And it's like, he still is. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah just, it doesn't take away from that. It right, just... like, like, who else fucking figured and this I thing wonder, out, right? Now like, that you think about you know, that, it is kind of interesting. And I, I'm amazed that this is not an underlined thing in the documentary considering who's behind the camera because the only thing that I can think of that's a fair comparison of like someone being upset that the the mystique is kind of right, dissolved right. is a magician like magic. 
Yeah, yeah it's like totally. it's still cool that they were able to trick you, but right. once you know how it's done, everyone gets bummed out and it that's like now I feel like that's like a huge missed opportunity <laughs> in the documentary. I know, I know. I kind of like I I I remember watching this for the first time and seeing Angelette and and like expecting it to go somewhere like mm-hmm. that of like oh, he'll obviously, they're interviewing him, you know, in it, like, he'll obviously say, look, we do this shit all the time, Yeah, where we use technology to make people think they see something, you know, they don't, or we, we you know... Yeah, we do shortcuts like, that convince you and, that right, this amazing the, thing is happening. And the, the cool part isn't necessarily that, you know, like, it's, it, you know, only someone who has, like, a child's understanding thinks the amazing part about our act is that we're doing actual magic. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, that's that's the, like, childish view of it, which is, you know, fun in its own way, but it's also just very immature. Mm-hmm. But if you, you can still appreciate the fuck out of it because it's still producing an effect that, yeah. you know, like, it, that's the... And I, and I can understand someone who, like, doesn't want to be told how things are done like they like the mystery like i can appreciate that the thing that i would not uh, agree with which is kind of what the this like the art criticism is is if someone found out how what a magic trick is done and then they're like oh well that's just let like that's not it's not that it's like oh it ruins the mystery but it's like oh that makes it less impressive or like le- yeah. like there's less skill involved now because i know it was a trick it's like what that's yeah uh, yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm kind of amazed that those two dots were never connected and, and but mostly it's because they don't focus on the the like criticism or, or the debate around the idea they just focus on the idea and did it work right and like yeah it seemed to uh yeah. There's another thing I was thinking of. Oh, one thing that this is a thing I wish was a little bit of a part of it, but this again would be kind of its own thing. And maybe it's what is already covered in kind of the books that inspired it in the first, the, the idea in the first place Uh was the, like, I just want to know more about the culture of art in Vermeer's time. And there's a specific thing that, that triggered that want. Which was the like Tim kept being like, Oh, wouldn't it be nice if we just found a napkin that said I fucking yeah. used two mirrors? Yeah. And, and then the art historian's like, That's you're not gonna fucking find that because everyone was go- so goddamn secretive about how they did their shit. Right. right. And speaking of like the, the emergence of art and technology and the, the modern parallel of game development. I was like, oh, you mean like NDAs? Like immediately <laughs> in my head. Uh-huh. And and I think that's why I really wanted more of the 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 commerce axie talked mm. about. Cause it's like they they make the like and like even that's another thing of like, oh, the the method by which this art is produced can be treated like a magician's secret. In like a fu- you know the fucking Christopher Nolan movie, The Prestige, mm. but all like those things, it's such an important axie to to the why and of any of this, you know, um, because like also Tim spent 
years on this project, and I don't know, like, it took at least a year just to do the painting, I think. Yeah. Or, or like, it took, I think that might have been, like, set up and staging and all that stuff, and then also the painting. He took took 130 or 60 or something days of actually painting, but it was over the course of a, like, this whole thing was over the course of, like, three years or four years or something, but yeah. So, like, you know, that's, if that's an eight-hour day, let's say, is that a number of days that Vermeer could not have an income? Oh, sure. That seems like a very simple, you know, question that could, and again, like, maybe we don't have those records, and literally all we have are the paintings, but... That's kind of, that kind of reminds me of uh, one of the things that I always wish I knew a little bit more about. I have, like, the tiniest sliver of knowledge about, but I don't have enough knowledge to really understand a whole lot about it, is I know that for a lot of the great, like, Renaissance masters, so, you know, a little, you know, Vermeer's more, like, I think, northern, late Renaissance, but, like, for a lot of, like, you know, Raphael and and Da Vinci and all those guys, uh, like people just will say offhand sometimes, like, "Oh yeah, you know," and like you know, a lot of these are are probably done by his like students or or his like mm-hmm. you know his helpers or whatever probably painted this one. It's like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> what now? Yeah. And it's like you know that that's like a part of that painting culture that I don't know that much about, but it also, um. For this specific case, you know, they kind of proved the point briefly. Like they that the, doesn't the, matter. It, it doesn't who's matter holding who's doing the brush. It. It's an objective process. So you could have, you know, multiple different people doing one, you know, painting, and it wouldn't yeah. be able to be told. Like you couldn't tell because of of the how the process is set up. You could probably even have, you know, multiple people on, at the same time if the canvas was large enough for them to share space. Like. So that yeah, a lot of that kind of stuff is like, uh, did he did Vermeer have apprentices? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like you know, and, and it's a good thing you remind me of that point because that the the idea of calling this an objective process, I did take a bit of a chagrin to because it's like, sure, technically, if 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 just like muscular skill is equivalent across the board, then yes, it doesn't matter who's doing it, but like you. The I reckon like there is a spectrum of what color people can recognize and what they can discern the difference between. Right, like, right. That, like that's a common. Um, that's an actual like I believe that's an actual a- uh, anatomical thing. Why the the stereotype of men don't see indigo and they're always like, "What the fuck? That's just purple." And that's like that's actually stems from a real thing where like they they're range of the visible color spectrum is different and they can't discern the difference right, between, between indigo and in violet. General, different, different people have yeah. different you know, color blindness. So like that would impact different. the yeah. quality of the recreation sure, and sure. then also just like hand skill. Like the fact that he's able to do those fine detail, like even that takes a level of skill that he kind of refused to accept. Because like I don't think I could do that because I have like horrible caffeine jitters half the time. You know? Sure, sure. So there, there are things like that where it's like sixteen hundreds uh, Netherlands. Maybe you wouldn't right. have caffeine because that's yeah. So it was that kind of thing where like where 
not only are people saying like, oh, this process removes the art artistry from it. It's like, no, it doesn't. It helps a lot. And you could call it a crutch or, a, you know, like a dad build if you want to use video game slang. Yeah. But it's not removing everything. If he made a robot that then had a, re a retinal sensor that received color input from the mirror and then, you know, ha like was able to then digitally compare it against a, uh, a paint swatch and then well, drop a droplet of paint. Yes, then that's just a fucking really complicated printer and there's no art artist involved at all at that point. But that's well, not what this was. There was still a human... It, for, for, for what Tim did, but for, for Vermeer, of course there's still artistry. Oh, yeah. You, it, because, like, because like if you're saying that the artistry is gone, that means that you don't consider any photographer an artist. Like, right, and they mentioned know, like, that... Yeah, I'm defending Tim because he even says a thing that's like a half truth near the end, where he's like, "If if he Tim's referring to his painting as like if there's any artistry in this at all, it's Vermeer's because he's the one who designed the composition and the colors right, and like right. decided what should be in the scene." And it's like, yes, that is definitely an aspect of the artistry that uh, Tim purely was trying to replicate, but. A, I would say the act of being able to replicate that accurately in of itself was a, an artistic action. Sure. And B, the uh, ability to use your eyeball to identify the colors and your ability for the ha your hand to physically do the same motion is still a thing. Like I, so I'm personally a huge fan of the um, Scott McCloud. Uh, who does understanding mm -hmm. yeah. comics uh, yeah. definition of what is art, which is literally anything you do that is not in fulfillment of base needs of yeah. survival and procreation. Like anything you're doing that's not specifically to, to, to facilitate those things is it art. Right. Yeah. You could probably then create a spectrum of like, what is more artistic and what's less artistic, that's fine, but like, there's very little that you can actually say is objectively not art, right. well, and in my mind. Tim Vermeer, like, his, that whole process, A, he's also helping to create a documentary, which is, which is his own art. In of itself, its own piece of art, right, yeah. Right. And, then, and also just, like, you know, him going through the technological processes is... Like it's just, like he has made essentially made like an installation piece and a live performance right. art you know setup like it, it, it is yeah it, so there is artistry in all of it um, for sure but I, I guess you know the way that he came at it was from an engineering mindset right. but, and, 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 and he kind of talks I, to the point about how those aren't really they're separate not different right. things like they're the same they're like right. in even my mind, falls they're, into they're the same hole that he's trying to doesn't exist right yeah he's, he's saying oh i'm doing just the engineering part it's like well but you're also proving the point that the those that's a bullshit right which i think that is like, more like penn and teller's angle on it and they don't they don't say it explicitly too much except for the very end they kind of are like we kind of think this this divide doesn't exist really uh tim seems very either he he occasionally says things that reinforce that the divide exists, but also that he doesn't really care that much. Because mm -hmm. he's like very, like, he'll reinforce, like, 
I'm not an artist. I'm an engineer. Right, right. I'm an inventor. It's like, well, I would argue that you are an artist. Right. You're just a non-traditional or like, I, I think there is like an educational term for like, you know, like sculptors, painters, illustrators versus like a VFX artist. Oh, but sure. I, I'm blanking on Just what like, the the differentiating term mm. is. Like, I, I feel like we had at school, we had like, you know, there's like all the art classes, but then there are people who went to like, you know, live, live illustration class. And that was like kind of right. under a different umbrella right. than the, than the Maya courses and right. stuff. Right. Um, so I'm blanking on what the difference was, and I I can I can that's, see value uh, in that differentiation that's, of that's known as um, artsy fartsy. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the technical term. Yeah, <laughs> like I can um, see value in that differentiation of like the the like historically classic art methods mm-hmm. and stuff. But I I'm very much uh, a fan of and interested in the the that. The the time period and philosophy around the time period where it seemed to be just like there's creatives and then there's like everyone else <laughs> and like because that's that like I, that's why I don't see the difference in in either side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess there's a like it, it's interesting because I I feel like I. Understand if someone wanted to approach things from a like left brain right brain thing, like me- that's the spectrum that they want to create, like that I can understand. But would be interesting is like whether done with lenses and a mirror or not. Vermeer's painting is a life recreation. Still, you know, right? It's not. It's not purely uh, imaginary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not really doing anything from outside of the composition and stuff that it, that you could say is particularly the you know right brain quote unquote emotional right. stuff like either way it's still a very uh, I mean, masterful it, it, execution yeah. of a recreation of a of a scene i think a lot of this i mean a lot of these terms a lot of like you know like right brain left brain stuff obviously like there's just not unless someone has the entirety of a part of their brain removed. Nobody form, you know, nobody mm-hmm. works entirely in one side of the brain, right? Like nobody is entirely logical or entirely, you know, artistic or creative or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's all a mixture, and obviously people have different mixtures at different times and like all that stuff. So like, I think a lot of those terms are helpful for humans, like to categorize and and, yeah. and set up patterns and and believe that that leads to a better understanding and, and in some cases it does but it also can it can also be kind of entrapping and like you need to remember obviously okay well these are still constructs that don't have any real right you know like substantive yeah. i just i just, just helpful for understanding like, aspects uh, about them but yeah, you know, still need to understand them as connected. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I just meant that Vermeer is a particularly bad example if you're going to get into a what is, what is a, a artistic recreate like painting and not and like because if Tim used his technique to recreate a, a, like a yeah, then it'd be like that's yep. I would say that Tim's painting and Pollock's painting 
are not capturing the same thing. Like right. that, that I would feel a lot more confident in that than being like, they both painted someone sitting at a piano. Like, I don't know what, they just did it, argue, like, at best you could argue they did it different ways, but they still came to, like, they were still aiming I, for the same goal of I would be, recreating that thing that I see. I think one of the things that would be interesting would be to see definitely Tim try to, like, look at recreating somebody else. Because, like, theoretically, like, his, the whole point of his, um, of the device, right, is that it's essentially a way for you to make as photorealistic of an image mm -hmm. of whatever you're looking at. So if you're looking at, you know, an impressionist painting or, or you know, an abstract expressionism painting or whatever, you obviously can create that. You know, yeah, but you'd have to be like, rep reproducing the painting, not the scene. Right, exactly. Like you'd be you'd be recreating, you know, that painting as if you were taking a photograph of it. And mm -hmm. the and the point, which would be interesting. I mean, but the you know the the point for why it makes sense that Vermeer would do it is because of the way specifically that he captured things from the same types of scenes that nobody else contemporary was capturing mm -hmm. of, you know, of the, the way that specifically light and lenses interact. Uh, but yeah, um, it'd be interesting. I don't know. Yeah. This, this, this whole thing for me, I just really enjoyed the second art because it, it spreads a lot of like different thoughts. One of the things that I found interesting was um, when they were talking to the kind of the, one of the painting experts that had written one of the books or whatever, he was talking about when he had released his book suggesting that some sort of optics, you know, maybe a camera obscura, maybe, you know, he didn't fully know, but he said some optical, you know, thing was used to, re to create this. Uh, he said that he would, like, talk to art critics who would be all pissed off and stuff, but he would talk to artists and they'd be like, yeah, that's a tool. Yeah, well, like you know, and I and I think that that's a, an interesting and uh, an interesting mindset kind of difference. Mm -hmm. um, and just thinking about it, I kind of went down on a rabbit hole of thinking about what new tools open up for artists in terms of expressing different things. Uh, and this is something that they didn't quite they didn't specify why, other than Vermeer had paintings that were more accurate and that were that were more you know they said like it, he, he looks like he's painting with light like he mm -hmm. you know it looks like his scenes are much more photorealistic than anybody else's but they didn't go too much into the kind of and understandably so because they have a much more direct factual look at this but they didn't go too much into like why that was helpful or why that makes him made him stand out or why it mm -hmm. was you know, helps you connect with the scene better or anything. And I think that there's some interesting stuff to look into that. Like, one of the things that I'm getting excited about, like, now, uh, after watching this again, after just this weekend having played um, the game uh, Control, uh, which is you know, just released, and it, one of its big things is that it has... Uh, real-time ray tracing 
uh, for its lighting, which mm-hmm. uh, is just another, you know, it's a new technological leap. It's kind of the next thing that's happening, yeah. you know, in games is the ability to have enough processing power to to simulate lighting in just like a whole, whole hell of a lot better. Um, there's some awesome uh, uh, links that I, I do want us to actually put in the description of, of people going through some of the examples of it so you can, people can see uh, how awesome it looks like. But one of the things I saw recently was um, I was talking to some friends about this who are playing it on like much more intense like uh, PC rigs than, than I'm playing it on. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that uh, they said was like, it's kind of cool because I can see enemies around the corner because the, the wall is polished metal. And because of the way that the, the real-time ray tracing works is that it simulates light so well that it's a mirrored surface and I can mm-hmm. see actually around it instead of just seeing, like, a, a glow or whatever. I can, like, see dudes in the yeah. polished reflection. And, and, you know, that's something that, as a level designer, that's, like a, that's a whole new thing to think about, right? Like, mm-hmm. like mirrors in general just aren't in that many games because... Generally, we haven't had the ability to do real-time, you know, ray tracing for lighting or whatever. So most of the solutions are like really janky and like, oh, spawn a puppet that acts the exact same, but in reverse, yeah, mirrors your you know, input. Like you know, like really crazy shit like that. So like mirrors, if you just notice, are not in a whole lot of video games. But adding a bunch of different types of mirrored surfaces, it, it, it just got me thinking about like, oh man, like I would have to if I want somebody to be a surprise. I can't have a mirror. I need to talk to the artist to make sure there's not a mirrored enough mm-hmm. surface to be able to see around that corner. Yeah. And that's like, just avoiding the problems it can create. That's right. not and, even and thinking about and leveraging I could, and I could that ability. Use it in, in the same, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's like the first thing I think about was like, oh shit, I would have to hide those guys better. But then also, yeah, I could I could use that to fuck with you more, or I could, you know, I could have someone appear there and then when you walk around the corner, it's not there, and that would freak you out. Or like, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of different things that you can do. That's Specifically, new tools creating new ways to design new, opportunities, new experiences. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things that also uh, came out in the past couple weeks is the um, uh, Minecraft uh, announced that it's doing a, a new ray tracing RTX mode, uh, and so they released a demo. Then a couple different people, like uh, Digital Foundry and stuff, went on there, and in their demo space, like the Minecraft had set up all these demos of like you know different colored light blocks, like next to each other, you could see how the light was blending on the wall and everything. One of the things that they set up was they set up a big glowing heart in one room that was upside down, and then they made the opposite wall have a little hole in it, and if you walked into Uh, the other side, you could see the projection of the heart. It was a camera obscura built in Minecraft, purely just by making a dark room with one block removed from one wall. And because of the ray tracing technology, because it simulates light rays, it actually works as a camera obscura. Yeah. Which is that's fucking awesome. awesome. Like that's such that's so cool. But it, it you know, and like connecting that to this, I was like, oh yeah, like I forgot that, you know, they did that. Like that's such a yeah. a unique thing. So I, I think it, it directly a lot of the stuff that is in this documentary speaks to me a lot in general, you know, both have the kind of the idea of like, you know job as a as a game designer is to know as much as possible about everything as possible, you know, like know as much about every single process and like looking at something like this, where it's seeing the combination of artistic, you know, composition and and color theory mixed with, you know, uh, 
with mechanical engineering and, and mm-hmm. also coming from the perspective of this guy who knows, uh, you know, graphics uh, engineering and stuff like it all just it, it kind of hits a sweet spot uh, for sure for a lot of the stuff I dig. But it also is just um, it, it's I think it's very applicable to, to kind of think outside the box in that mindset and to think about how new technologies will affect mm-hmm. the art that and I'm it, making. It is kind of, and, you know, the design that I'm doing. Yeah, and it it is a good advocate for, like, if you approach it with that philosophy, it's a good advocate for that kind of thing. Because, like, the thing I was thinking about while watching this was I, I was just uh, talking to a coworker about automation, because um, I've been doing a lot more automation script development as a test engineer lately. Mm. And there's kind of the, like, easy, like, you know, people think about automation in the game industry the way they think about automation in, uh, you know, like a factory where it's like, oh, we're going to automate all the jobs away. And it's not that. Mm-hmm. It's like, because games are not microwaves. They actually <laughs> are like when you're in a game or developing a game, there's so much that can, there's so much potential in that space. You know, it's not like if you're a factory worker putting together microwaves, it's like the screw goes where the screw goes and that's it. And yeah, you can probably make a machine that can put the screw there uh, like every time perfectly, but that's not how games are. You, you need that creative problem solving to understand the potential of what can and can't like not just what needs to go right but what could possibly go wrong uh and like so the a lot of the automation I'm doing is it's do it, it it's doing a bunch of things and then telling you what happens but it still requires education and under and a more holistic understanding to be able to understand like Hey, why did the thing, the why did that bad thing happen? And actually, like, look under the hood and stuff in the same way that in my microwave example, it's like if the machine fails to screw in the screw where it's supposed to go, that's it. It failed to do that. Mm. It will not be able to tell you why it failed to do that or what needs to happen to allow it to do its process correctly. Which is a thing a human can do very, very easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was thinking about that in relation to this, where it's like it simplifies some of the work, it speeds up some of the work, and it makes some of the work more accessible. But in other ways, it's like no, you still need a human in the it piloting the ship to make sure everything is working correctly and stuff. Mm. So I thought that this was a, an interesting advocate for tool, like because this is not. I it's, I find it so weird that that there are critics who think the the mechanism that Tim uses like wholesale removes any artistry, including Tim, which I think is is crazy. Yes, because yeah. it's like no, it's a it's a tool. Like it, you know, you don't. Like the existence of nail guns versus hammers does not make uh, a a carpenter or or a uh, like you know anyone who works 
or you know, cabinet maker, or whatever, it doesn't make that not a skilled job all of a right. sudden. It just makes right. it a little bit easier, right? And it makes you know, in fact, yes, it, has, just, it just opens up new other things that you can do, right? Yeah, like this, it's a like we're not talking about iRobot where it's a it's a literally a robot man who makes a cabinet. It's like no, it's, we're talking about two fucking mirrors. <laughs> like yeah. humans still did everything else. Um, the other thing I was thinking about this is kind of a, a different thing, but it's, it's timely too. I loved that this was literally just. Two different, like the documentary is a side project, and then the act of doing the paintings a side project, just for like a group of friends. Yeah, like for they're just because. Yeah. And it, it was like that sounds very fucking familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> so I love seeing <laughs> other examples of that kind of thing. There is a lot of there's like a lot of uh, stuff that I like. Uh, connected with in, in small like stretching it the metaphor but like you know like getting so into the project that he was like well i gotta work and it's freezing cold let's bring in this giant space heater oh i painted an elephant on this for no reason you're about to pass out let's turn that thing off <laughs> like yeah. it was like oh we were getting I think the elephant was a very dry joke but like no yeah yeah but like yeah. I, the, that idea of like getting so into what you're you're working on that like mm-hmm. you're you're doing some some sacrifice that maybe isn't quite necessary and like getting into like a situation where like uh I should take a break for a second. Like I'll, yeah. I I just enjoyed all of that. It felt I, I connected to it a lot. Uh yeah that that is a thing that is like you know it it's both too real and also like that doesn't make it good. Right. No, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you look at this as a as a, it's inter- it's tough with documentaries because it's like it should just be a re- accurate replication of what happened, but also it is like like it is its own art at in the end too, and like right. just like Tim's, it does mechanism. it is kind of like pro, uh, crunch culture in that way a little bit. Like inadvertently, he is clearly. Uh, or it could be read that he way. He's clearly a man obsessed, uh, and the only thing yeah. that we know about him is that he's presented as likely right. So, like, we don't. Yeah, it's not specifying. Hey, maybe don't don't do this. this like maniacal hey. about figuring something out. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is tough with that kind of stuff. Where I agree, like I have definitely been there before, it, but it's like I, I'm right at that point in my life where I, I think about. My dad saying do do as I say, not as I do, because I'm totally that person where like I will definitely put ten hours into a work day just because I'm really into something, and then like be all uppity of like, mm, but that's bad. People shouldn't do that because it has unintended wake on other people and creates a culture where that's accepted and blah 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 blah. So it's tough. I have not rectified the the you know, my own hypocrisy in that behavior. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so this movie, I definitely dug it. I think it's, it is probably a good thing where the worst thing you can say is I want a ton of, I want more and I want a lot of more, Uh you know? So, 
That's probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really dug it. Uh I am glad that you enjoyed it so much. I uh I really really like a lot of the the things that it makes me think about. Even you know, like even mm. outside of of what it specifically is saying or whatever was the level to which I connected to it and it resonated with me and made me think about stuff. I is kind of, you know, what makes me really so I, I have an additional thought okay. that this is a good kind of closing thought, potentially. Okay. Because I, I was thinking about, like, you know, we do kind of comparable, like, tiny side projects and, like, friend events where, like, creativity and artistry kind of comes out of it. I'm not going to spend 160 days painting. No, this is a different thing, because, like, at the scale that at first I was like, oh, man, like, imagine if our friend group is, like, so goddamn fucking successful that we can do crazy stupid stuff like this, where we could take, like, three years to do a thing, and, like, David's gonna follow us around and document this dumb thing we're doing. Uh But then there was another aspect where I was like, and maybe it's part of, like, you know, this movie's, what, what year did this movie come out? 2013. Okay. Like, in a weird way, I do think we are in a more connected internet age world now than we were six years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, and because of that, there is a pang of, like, I simultaneously really wish I could get to a position where I could do a, a crazy creative project like this. But also, there's, like, if you're that, like... Maybe you don't need to be like that financially well off, <laughs> you know, or like there's probably something better you could spend your money on, right? It's it's like, but it's I love the thing, like the work that came out of this. Like I love that piece of artistry. So it I do like this kind of loops back to my my initial thought of like there really is like a, a like I really think commerce has to be part of this conversation because it when you talk about like not just the advancement of technology and art there's like like i am simultaneously a huge proponent for the arts and and financing the arts and stuff but also i would have i would start to doubt myself when talking about like throwing a fuck ton of money at an artistic project that is just that but also that's what like Movies and games I was say, are yeah, so we like it's every, so weird. We're, we're, like we're part of that that big machine every day, right? But that's that's the job, I, I and think, I don't know if that makes it better or not. Well, I think like, I, 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 I I get maybe where you're coming from here. But I've had some elements where, like you know, when I really think about it, like you said, art. Thinking about art uh, from that Scott McCloud uh, perspective of like, okay, it's the things that are not necessary for survival or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's easy to get from that, like, well, if that's the case, is there something that is necessary for someone's survival that I could mm-hmm. be doing instead that might be a better use of my time? And I think that I think that the uh, the thing that I come back to whenever I hit on something like that is, you know, well, and not to get this is a very long and separate conversation, but you know, mm-hmm. if we're going to go down that route, it, it eventually turns into, well, what are you surviving for? 
in this day and age, right. you and, know, and obviously there's like. So to be clear, I think it. I think there's a a, a degree of scale that matters because, like, I don't feel guilty about my profession being making expensive toys. Mm-hmm. At, at, you know, to f- as my financial income, I'm thinking more like. I thought what Tim did was really cool and impressive and interesting and creative and ever, but I then also was like, am I being hypocritical by feeling that when I also get really fucking annoyed when like Jeff Bezos says, I don't know how to spend my money other than space. Like, I really hate that when that's said in an interview and then I'm like, okay, so where, where does that kind of like, line appear sure i think and is there one and i don't know like this is more of a like uh, a question inspired by this not a thing i definitely don't feel like i have a strong answer but i know where my gut is and i know I, so like, I you think know certainly, it's weird when you said that it's about a matter of scale and scope that awfully definitely hits it this guy mm-hmm. tim like compared to jeff bezos like right he's he's, different he's well off Tim's well off. Jeff Bezos is richer than the vast majority of countries. <laughs> like, you know, right. like, so there's a different scale for sure. Uh, you know. Yeah. And, and there's not in a, and in the creation of this project that we, we don't, ha- we are not having a conversation about the exploitation of labor right. or anything right. too. It's like, no, it's, it's his money that he and has. Pretty much only like, him. Uh, he's like the only dude. And when he's not, he's like contacting like, a Dutch pottery woman to like right. run her business. So it's like okay, like yeah, like you could argue that it's like oh, actually through the creation of this project, it actually is financing all these other artisans making their piece of this mm-hmm. thing, and it's more comparable to like you know like an indie company almost, and like you can look at all these people who have a piece of it. I would want. Now that I'm thinking of that angle, I would want to be like, okay, there's a lot of people who, like, should be credited in the creation of this painting, in a way, you know, and this documentary, which I th- I'm i sure the documentary credits all the people who appeared in it, but... Um, right, I would say in the documentary, a- for, for making the painting, I don't think you need to credit the person that taught him how to make pigment. You know, that's not... That's not a credit that deserves Cur- something. Because, like, you're not crediting... Yes and no. You know, that, that's something that maybe he would be... If someone was talking to him, he would shout that person out. But, like, you know, yeah. you're not... It's it's a tough thing. Not like, everything that I would you say make, like the, sure you credit all your teachers, you know, like... You know. Right. I get... I, yeah, it, it's a... They're, like... I was thinking more like the chair where... Or, or like, the, the, the things where he was buying... M- replicated products mm-hmm. and you could argue that like that's the compare the the game dev comparison is like oh you can buy things off the asset store and then you can use them in the game and that's kind of part of the agreement yeah, part, I, I think the, the the line is the same as like copyright he he took that chair and made a transformative i know, did yeah, a transformative I'm, art piece on i'm it. not gonna stake like plant my stake into that only because like copyright is a it's a legal construct, not a moral one, and I do find that sometimes it's I don't agree with where it lands, and sometimes most of the time I do. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, it's so like from that angle, it's like yeah, that's I just probably meant, I just the that they're based off legal the same, standing. They're based off the same moral principle. If you if you take something that someone 
gives you and do something with it, and that thing is the thing that is, you know, transformative and, and cool and unique, there's not necessarily a reason that you need to credit the person that gave you the thing. He doesn't need to Right, I'm saying I don't, know, I don't know that I wholesale always you know, agree no, with but that. but in general, it covers a lot of, like, you know, you know he's not going to credit the person, whoever made the canvas or whatever, and it's like, that makes sense. That's a pretty mm-hmm. obvious, like, thing, you know. I well, that's the thing. I think that's a obvious and makes sense thing, just because it's the norm. But I don't like. I think I don't have an opinion on it, so we don't need to dive into it too deeply. Mm-hmm. But I do. Th- I do think there is room for debate in all of those points. You know, not from a legal mm-hmm. standpoint, but just from the the like, you know, the the like. Was there a contribution or not? And it's like, well, there was. So, what does that mean? I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like a very different conversation. But uh, yeah, I was just more yeah. thinking of like, man, there. I was just thinking of the montage of like, man, there are a lot of people that were necessary to the creation of the painting. Like that's sure. the way I would say yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they're and like, and very and even more so necessary to the creation of the document. Uh, documentary. I don't know why I always can't say documentary, documentary. when we do one of these. Documentary. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, yeah, that was more the thought of, like, and be, by the nature of their necessity in the creation of the painting, I then think it opens up the conversation of, like, okay, who, who should get credit? You know? Because mm-hmm. Tim really wants to credit the machine in of itself. He doesn't even really want to cry himself, which makes it a thing where it's like, that, that's an interesting position and, and an right. interesting question. I don't think I agree with that. I think no, yeah. I think there I are a lot of that. humans that deserve credit. Yeah. But that, like, it's a philosophical thing. It's not a, I can't claim to be correct. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Yep, I, that's what, I, but that is what I liked about this movie in that it it inspires a lot of conversation if you're willing to to dig into those ideas. Mm-hmm. I wish the movie dug into them in of itself a little bit more, but maybe it's good that it says so little because then well, it I, I leaves do, so much more room for us to talk about it. Yeah, I appreciate that it is pretty focused on what it wants to mm. present and talk about, which I think, you know, I, I certainly think that, like, the point of us talking about this is to cover some of that, you know, for for all this stuff is to, everything that we talk about on this podcast is to cover some of those things that this, you know, whatever made us feel, and so obviously we're mm-hmm. going to broaden it out or whatever, but I definitely, I think for someone making a documentary, like, I think that they covered a very good amount of focusing on just the things that were necessary to get the idea going and, and get people understanding of uh, of what was, you know, Tim's objective. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, the only bits that I would add yeah, are I don't just think a little bit more information. Like, other than the, connect, like the connection between magicians and the, the art criticism thing See, that I we think- called out, like... That one is like it's right on the table. I, I I do think it is. I do think that's one of those things that I guess from looking at it from you know Penn and Teller's perspective, you know I imagine that they covered the fact that they were friends. That's how they knew each other, and that's how mm-hmm. this whole thing got going. 
And that was like as much as they wanted to cover from a like, we're not the story. He, you know, his thing is the story kind of perspective. Yeah. Like, I, I, I definitely can see taking it. I can understand it in, that like, motive. But uh, the thing I was going to say is like, uh, and this goes back to like, um, like a pull quote from Newsroom where it's like, I can understand that goal. And I think that that is kind of the goal of every uh, documentarian. But also, it's a, it's an unachievable. Like you can't just be like, "Yes, I did it. Yeah, I no, did no. it it's, perfectly." It, it, there's no way to make. Yeah, well, just in general with like a documentary, there's no way to make an like a, a completely objective document about what's exactly. happening. No matter what you do, you're adding some slant to it, even just from what side you're filming things on, or what you know, like. Mm-hmm. So certainly, there's you know, it's impossible, but it. It certainly is also a goal to strive for that documentary and documentarians constantly, not always, because it's like some. Yeah, try to, I was gonna say some, I, I don't think some, it's inherently a well, goal. I think I think it, when when it's not a goal, it's consciously going against script for the right. a point. You know, like it, it's 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 kind of inherent in the form that it's an assumed goal that you can try flipping that convention on its head to do something interesting, but. A lot yeah. of the time, it, it I, is kind I, of I don't is, disagree. Um, no. Yeah, I don't disagree, Anyways. but, like, because uh. I'm, I think I'm more conscientious of the, the impossibility of achieving it, I, I tend to prefer more acknowledgement of who's behind the camera, just by the nature of, like, well, and, and, I know and I it has think... to be somebody who ha- who is a person, so, like, if you give me more context to who they are, it, it makes sense. Right. I think there's some acknowledgement of, like, if it had just been a random documentary filmmaker, I wouldn't have cared. But right. the fact that it's Penn and Tyler, like, they've got to know they're inherently more interesting. And there's, like, you know, mm-hmm. like, I, I want, I'm more curious about their perspective on stuff yeah. than I would be about And we were able to identify a, so a, I, a way that they could be personally invested into the conversation being documented. Yeah, you know, it's it's like it. Their background has a very tangible connection to the art criticism conversation. Now, they didn't really cover the art criticism conversation in general, right. so like maybe that's just like it, it's one of those like if they did X, then they need to do Y, but sure. they didn't really do X, so um, it's kind of fine. Mm-hmm. But I also wish they had done. Both. I I just think that would be more interesting. I will say it did the one thing that I guess was the benefit of it from I've I've watched a lot of Penn and Teller's content and I mm. I think one of the things that's kind of funny is that in general in their content whether it's their show of bullshit or or any magician thing or whatever kind of one of their biggest things is them talking about how they view stuff or how they came to it. Well, what are them talking like? Well, yes, but like, you know, but, but, <laughs> but you know, like it, 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 that is so inherently, it's funny, like them being a part of it and their perspective being the perspective through which you view something is such a part of all of their other content, like mm-hmm. all of it, that it kind of, I was certainly expecting it to be a part of this one and it wasn't. And that made it, oh, at least for a Penn Teller fan, it made it more interesting to me. I'm like, oh it's, my god. Yeah, it's almost they, impressive that they were able to shut up for right, that right, long. Right, which I enjoy all that's their fair. content, but it was like, 
you know, it's like, oh, wow, this one is different. They're not putting, they're, they're really mm. focusing yeah, on that. Yeah, that's him. interesting. Yeah, you know, whereas, like, usually they, just as a ma- matter of course, they inject yeah. their own kind of personality and, and viewpoint on stuff. So, anyways. Yeah. No, that that's an interesting note that I, I was not, as someone just watching this piece uh-huh. almost in a vacuum, I was not really thinking about. Mm. Um, but I still, yeah, I, there's still a, a whole world of things I, I would have loved to have seen covered in this, or like almost as if like a series kind of thing. I don't know that it would, you know, because like I want to know what happened after. Right, right. <laughs> They did a whole, like, oh, people aren't going to like this. Anyways, goodbye. I'm like, what happened? Yeah, yeah. Did people not like it? <laughs> yeah, seeing, like, a follow-up or something. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho. Anywho. Well. It's good. I recommend it. Yeah. Enough said. Cool. Well. Uh, not like Rear Window. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, yep. Uh, did you see? By the way, bet you're, bet you're glad we don't do poll quotes as our titles anymore. Yeah. By the way, I'm curious. Have you ever seen uh, Lawrence of Arabia? Because that was—I don't know if you saw, but it was in the comments for the Rear Window episode. Uh, my brother had suggested that uh, you check out Lawrence of Arabia, and my. My response was, it is certainly on my list of near-perfect <laughs> movies, uh, but I don't think I'm going to make Eric watch it, because I don't think he'll like it. I've seen Prometheus, does that count? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, anyways. Anyways. <laughs> well, uh, I think that will do it for us. Uh, we want to thank Brenna for her artwork uh Mm -hmm. uh however she made it uh and uh thank dave for editing and providing us theme music wanna comment you can do so on soundcloud and hey we'll even sometimes refer to those comments in the show look at that all right thanks everybody bye I honestly didn't know we weren't doing singers anymore, but... (laughs)